a radio show that confesses Christ without confusing the law and the gospel. A radio show that takes scripture seriously without taking ourselves so seriously. You're listening to Table Talk Radio. When we look at ourselves and the situation of the world, uh, God is certainly there, but he's hidden there. He's not seen there. He's not. He, he hasn't put himself there to be found. Where he puts himself to be found is on the cross. That's where we know that he loves us. So we can just as well undo God's love for us as we can go back in time and pry the nails out of Jesus' hands. We can just proclaim God's word, trust it will do what it says it will do, and no longer be, be judging the effectiveness of the, of the preached word by human standards of measurement, by, by the number of people that are there, but, but rather to just do what God told us to do, to preach the word and administer the sacraments. Ch- Charles Finney could have possibly had the ugliest face of any theologian. <laughs> Except for Brian Wolf. <laughs> <laughs> Here's Evan! Oh, well, thank you for the introduction, Pastor. <laughs> well, you're welcome. It's amazing I could do that and laugh at the same time. <laughs> That's radio talent right there. <laughs> Not many can do that. Welcome to this edition of Table Talk Radio. Uh, I'm Evan, as you ha- had heard, and then this is uh, Pastor Brian Wolfmiller. And uh, what are we doing? We're doing. We're talking about uh, women's ordination today as a response to a table scraps that we had about oh, a week that's ago. Right, that's right. And then we're doing some Bible Bee with isn't isn't uh, Pastor Ketchelmeyer your arch nemesis of Bible Bee? My Bible Bee arch nemesis. Although we were at a catechism retreat this last week and nine pastors there, and without the uh, weighted questions that you normally give, I came out I on top of Bible I don't know what you're Bee. talking about. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's right. <laughs> okay. Well, uh, let, that's the lineup, so let's get started with buzzwords, shall we? Yes, yes, yes. All right. Uh, the buzzword I have for you, I can't believe I found one that we haven't used uh, here, but it's uh, Antichrist. We haven't used Antichrist oh. as a buzzword yet. Um, now, in Greek, you know, anti, we, we think of anti being, uh, uh, what, what's the, you know, uh, the, against. Yeah, against, or, you know, in the, in the, in the place of, uh, is what the, what the Greek brings out. So, when we talk about the Antichrist, right. we're talking the, the, about... So, so in English, it mean, kind of means against, but it, but that's right, the Greek meaning has in the place of, or a substitute for, uh, that's, so the word vicar is what that also <laughs> means, that same thing. <laughs> that's true if you were wondering <laughs> um and so th- there's uh i guess many antichrists in that in the wide sense of the word and then there's a narrow sense of the word too that, that scriptures talk about as well uh pastor you can probably uh, elaborate on on that uh a little bit better than i yeah, could yeah so we have the t- the text in thessalonians i didn't know this was going to be the buzzword I, I can't remember exactly where the text is but it talks about the man of lawlessness or the man of sin that exalts in place he exalts himself in the temple and puts himself in the place of god so this has been the traditional text for the definition of the a capital a antichrist uh and the church has understood that to officially to be uh the pope himself the the the, the man that fills the office of the pope because the pope claims he's in the church and he claims to stand in the place of Christ. He calls him the vicar of Christ on earth so that he, he has the place of Jesus on the earth because Jesus has ascended into heaven. So because of that doctrine of what the 
of the place that the Pope is. The Church has traditionally understood the Pope, and and it, and it also doesn't help is that the the Catholic Church has, in, in any number of ways, condemned the doctrine of justification, the article upon which the Church stands or falls. So, mm-hmm. both via the formal material and the material principle, uh, the Pope has been understood by classic Reformation churches to fulfill the office. Uh, Mohammed gets lumped in there also, and 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 John says, First John, a number of times. Uh, that the um, the Antichrist, anyone who denies that Jesus came in the flesh, is Antichrist. Yeah, and uh, that's uh, man of lawlessness comes from Second Thessalonians chapter two. Man, I, I should have used that as your Very buzz good. buzz phrase. Buzz Bible B. Bible B. Yeah, yeah, that's what I meant to say. I have uh, for you my buzzword. I can't believe we use this one either. I, what have we been doing all these years? You know, <laughs> all these buzzwords. Pentecost. That's the buzzword for you. Pentecost. It's a, it's the only it's the only ancient Jewish feast that we still celebrate in the church. Pentecost means 50 days, so 50 days after the Passover uh, is the feast of Pentecost, and that also happens to be the day that that the disciples received the gift of the Holy Spirit. So Jesus uh, rose from the dead, then 40 days later ascended into heaven. Then 10 days after that, 50 days total uh, after the resurrection, he sent forth his Spirit. Uh, then they, uh, the apostles received the Holy Spirit, the tongues of fire above their head. They preached in all these different languages. All these thousands of people were baptized on the very first Pentecost, and uh, and the church, new, the, the the church of the New Testament, uh, really has its uh, its uh, its official grand opening on the day of Pentecost. All right, good. Um, I think we're ready then to get into our show. Uh, we we uh, about what have a, we been doing for the past five minutes then? What, no, no, that, that doesn't really count as the show. But that's, <laughs> that's just fake. a warm up. That's fake. <laughs> um, we, about a week ago, we had a show um, on Table Scraps Live on Sunday night, um, and it was talking about women's ordination. But we, but uh, I had uh, uh, someone from college that that came on to give his arguments for uh, women's ordination, and we we were talking after the show, uh, Pastor and I were that. That when we're doing when we're doing this, it's really hard to to offer a proper rebuttal um, when you're giving them the airtime to explain their arguments. Um, and so we wanted to take some time on Table Talk Radio then to 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 offer kind of the response to what uh, you may have heard on on Sunday night's program, Table Scraps Live. And so we were talking about uh, women's ordination, and I asked uh, him to articulate the position uh, of, of the doctrine of the holy ministry. I asked him. If if those roles that a, that a pastor does is exclusive to the pastoral ministry, or if it's something that everyone can do, and this is his response. Well, I think all Christians should be like Christ, and to that degree, I think um, you and I both would would say that the reformers got it right when they talked about the priesthood of all believers. Um, and that we, and, and you know, that's something that Peter uh, declares in his epistle as well. Um, and and so I think all believers should be functioning um, like Christ. We're to have the mind of Christ. John tells us in his epistle that that we should walk as as Christ walked. Um, we should love as Christ loved. Um, uh, but I think that um, what may be the main distinction is. Um, the setting aside of one's time and energies to the exclusive um, digging into Scripture, if you will, um, and speaking the truth to encourage the body of believers to exercise their gifts to be like Christ. 
Okay. So, uh, basically, if I understand it, his um, his response there is that that uh, the the ministry is for for anyone who is able. That that all Christians do the the work of the pastor. It's just that some people devote their entire work, their entire careers to it, and others don't. Is that right, Pastor? Well, yeah. That's. I mean, basically, I mean, what that's saying is that there's no office of the ministry. Um, and, and that's one of the dangers. I mean, we do teach the priesthood of all believers. Of course, the Bible does. But it doesn't undo the office of the pastor. What, what, here, now, here's the problem. Is this uh, fella is a Methodist, is that right? Right, yeah. Which means he doesn't have the sacraments, among other things that they don't have. But one of them is that they don't have the sacraments, basically. I mean, baptism is, is becoming a member of the church. It's part of this covenantal uh, agreement or something like that. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and the Lord's Supper is just a symbol. Um, that, that, that's Methodist doctrine, right? It, they, I think the Methodists probably read rightly the 39 Articles more than the Episcopalians do when it comes to the doctrine of the Lord's Supper. So you, you do not have the sacraments. So if you don't have the, the office of the ministry is the distribution of the sacraments. So if you don't have the sacraments, you don't have the office. I mean, you can't have one without the other. I mean, I don't want to be too much of a functionalist here, but this is just, I mean, the, the, the two are bound up. So you lose the sacraments, so you lose the office of the ministry. All you have left is a priesthood of all believers, so why not? I mean, goodness sakes, anyone can, uh, uh, every, every Christian is called to pray. So the pastor prays in front of everyone, and the and the, and the normal Christian prays in front of not everyone. You, you know, it, mm-hmm. what's the difference? So it kind of, in a, in some sort of strange way, when you start, when you when you give away the gifts of Jesus, uh, you also give away the office of pastor. Uh, Ephesians 4. He ascended on high that he might give gifts to men, some apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers, uh, etc. So that if you, if you don't have these uh, gifts of Jesus and baptism and the Lord's Supper, you therefore don't have the gifts of these offices in the church, uh, especially the office of pastor and teacher. Right. And... And the reason that I wanted to start with that question was that if you see the holy ministry as uh, as what's what we call a functional view that uh, it, that that there's nothing exclusive to an office that anyone goes about doing these things, then it doesn't matter who does them as long as they do as long as they get done. So in other words, it, it doesn't matter if male or female does them because it's not a particular office. It's just. Uh, something that all Christians can do. So when we talk to right. people about w- women's, oh, go ahead. No, what you what you notice there is what he did is he um, uh, he 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 put the functions of the pastor as the non-sacramental functions. See, so uh, so because because there are no sacramental distributions really. I mean, really in, in their theology. So that so that of so that all that there's left to do is stuff that everyone should do. Uh, so you get the strange you you when you I mean and this should be clear when you lose the office of baptism and Lord's Supper you lose the office of pastor. That's right. Well, we'll continue. We just scratched the surface here. We're going to uh, listen to his responses to particular verses where it says women should be silent in the church, uh, and that's coming up right after this commercial break. So stay tuned to Table Talk Radio. We'll be right back. I love this Your 
very own theological court gestures. This is Table Talk Radio. Welcome back to this edition of Table Talk Radio. We are talking about women's ordination in response to uh, the Table Scraps Live we had recently on the topic. And um, one of the things that I asked our guest, uh, Larry Anderson, was about the text of 1 Corinthians chapter 14. Uh, Specifically, 34 says, The women are to keep silent in the churches, for they are not permitted to speak, but uh, but are to subject... Uh, subject themselves just as the law also says. Now, when I asked him this question, he said that, well, if you if you have that verse, then you have to consider what it also means in 1 Corinthians eleven five that says, but every woman has to have her head uncovered while praying or prophesying, or she disgraces her head. Uh, or every woman who has her head uncovered while praying or prophesying disgraces her head. So he says, okay, right here, uh, women are praying and prophesying in the church. So how do we reconcile these? this, what he called apparent contradiction, between 1 Corinthians 11.5 and 1 Corinthians 14.34? And this was his response. But I, I, I think I found in my, my own reading um, uh, the most appealing understanding, at least, that would reconcile both what's going on in chapter 11 and what's going on here in chapter 14, that um, a portion of what is being said, especially in verse um, 34, um, one scholar, or several scholars actually, have suggested that, that this is actually a quotation from the Jewish oral tradition. And so um, Paul's statement in verse 36, did the word of God originate with you or are, or are you the only people it has reached, um, would suggest that he's actually rebuking them for allowing that oral tradition, which would, have, would be similar to the Judaizing question that was going on and that he addresses with the church at Galatia, um, and that he's actually... Um, rebuking them for subscribing to this Judaizing oral tradition. And that would reconcile, I think, with um, the, the issues with 11 verse 5. Okay. What in the world? <laughs> that is the goofiest thing. <laughs> um, well, let's let's deal first with uh, 1 Corinthians 11 5. Um Pastor, what's your response when someone really reads First Corinthians eleven five and says, "Hey, look, uh, women are prophesying in the church, so it's a contradiction to to read fourteen thirty four Yeah, there's a lot of things going on at the church in Corinth that are just um, that are just out of hand. Uh, so Paul is constantly kind of rebuking them, and I, and I think if you're going to interpret one in light of the other, that you you have to interpret. Uh, 11 in, in light of chapter 14 because uh because in chapter 14 i mean chapter 11 is dealing with the historical thing about what's happening look there's there's women that are prophesying in church they ought to they ought to recognize the proper authority and do so with their head covered 
Uh, but then in, in chapter 14 is where he gives the, the instruction. But, but in the interview, there's a number of times where you take the clear, plain instruction, like 1 Corinthians 14, and then you interpret it in light of the historic circumstance. It happens again later when, when you have the clear instruction of Paul that says uh, that the pastors, overseers, should be the husband of one wife, and that is undone by the greeting at the end of Romans mentioning Phoebe. It's a strange way to do... Uh, to argue exegetically, because you you don't address the text, you you go to the historical context and then make the text sing, say something else. So so in his interpretation, First Corinthians 14 is actually uh, quoting the error, so that because they believe First Corinthians 14, he's he's rebuking them for not let, letting women preach. That is this that is a very strange interpretation. So that you, so you have two passages. I like this one, chapter 11. I don't like this one, chapter 14. So chapter 14 must be the text of a, of a Jewish tradition, which is then rebuked. Now, I don't have any any proof that the text actually is that. You can't tell from the grammar or anything, but you you, you know, you got to pick which one you like and then let the other one uh, be rejected. That's just, that's a terrible way to read the Bible. Well, I think, <clears throat> excuse me. Whoa, Evan. What I think is... <laughs> What I think is also interesting is verse 33. It says, For God is not a God of confusion, but a God of peace, as in all the churches for the saints. So here we have, uh, uh, he right before he says that women are to keep silent, he's saying that there should be, God, God orders his church in a, in a, in a not, not of confusion, but of, of peace. So we're talking about order in the church. And in order for all the churches, for all the saints. Now the very next line is the verse we're talking about, women are keep silent in the church. So it, it it would seem very odd to now quote from a Judaizer verse thirty four after saying that God is not a, a God of confusion. That's confusing. Right. That's right. <laughs> okay. Well, then uh, the the next passage that I asked him about was uh, this passage from First uh, Tim. Uh, so yeah, First Timothy. I get First Timothy and Second Timothy uh, confused. But First Timothy two, uh, namely verses nine through fifteen. Um, let's, let's, I'll read for you, um, verse 11, a woman must quietly receive instruction with entire submissiveness, but I do not allow a woman to teach or exercise authority over a man, but to remain quiet for it was Adam who was first created and then Eve. It was not Adam who was deceived, but the woman being deceived fell into transgression. Now he has two arguments here. Uh, the first one, um, well, they're, they're really both the same argument, but the first one is of, of the cultural nature. This is what he says. Um, a number of scholars have suggested, and I would tend to agree with them, that this is a very specific issue um, as it relates to the church at Ephesus. Um, if you look over at chapter 1, verse 7, uh, it says, um, they want to be teachers of the law, but they do not know what they're talking about or what uh, they so confidently affirm. Um, and so, that and, and there's some other passages um, in Second Timothy that suggest that there are clearly some false teachers um, in in the church at Ephesus or people who want to be teachers, and so some scholars have suggested that this applied to a very specific group of of women who were in fact teachers in Ephesus to uh, wealthy Greek men and women. Okay, so uh, this is um, particular to the time and place, I guess. 
you know, the good thing about his response is he acknowledges that the text says, in, in the text, Paul is saying that women shouldn't be pastors. So it's a good that he admits that. I mean, and it's because the text is fantastically clear that that's what Paul's saying, right? Mm-hmm. But then he says, well, it doesn't matter for us because it's just for the time of Ephesus. Uh, just for, It's a specific thing, and if we take it out of context and try to apply it to all the churches, then we do wrong. Uh, of course, when he starts to say stuff like that, he's just making things up. <laughs> I mean, we don't know any of that. We, we don't know that, that there's a that there's a group of women in, in Ephesus that were false teachers, and the men were somehow orthodox, and the women were heterodox, so he just has a blanket for forbidding of women to teach in Ephesus. Um, I mean, I guess it's no problem for these women to go down the street and, and teach in Colossae or something, you know. Uh, that that's a kind of goofy sort of thing. And if what he says is true, Paul is simply a sexist. He's saying that that women are heterodox. At least these Ephesians women are heterodox, and the men are orthodox. So that so to take a specific problem, I mean, there would have been women false teachers who would have had names. Paul could have said, "Hey, don't let this lady teach and that lady teach because they teach wrongly." But instead, he says, "Don't let any women teach." And that, to, I mean, to answer a problem with that kind of abstraction, if Paul would have done that, that would have been a completely sexist thing to say uh and would have been wrong for paul to do to treat the problem that way so uh so it doesn't the the thesis uh so i'm glad that he admits that the text uh says that uh, that women ought not be pastors um but, but then the thesis on why that doesn't count now just doesn't hold water okay i want to get one more clip in because we have about a minute to respond here, here um but they've also pointed out that um paul in verse 12 is is making it a personal judgment. He says, I do not permit, rather than a more formal, it is not permitted, um, which I think is maybe just be a very subtle distinction, but as some scholars have pointed out, it's a distinction worth noting. Um, Again, um, suggesting that we're talking about a specific issue at Ephesus. Um, And so there's really uh, not a clear sense at least for me, that this is a universal prohibition. Now, I'll respond to this first, uh, uh, that Paul was an apostle. <laughs> when, when he instructs the church, especially he writes in these pastoral epistles, that he's writing for the, uh, the church at large. He's not writing to a specific situation, although he deals with specific situations. This is, this is for the church. I mean, uh, heaven's sake that, 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 that we have taken these documents from the apostle and put them in the Bible because we believe what they say and believe that they're true. If, this was, if the church didn't regard Paul's writings to be true for the church at large, then we wouldn't have included them in the Holy Bible. But the fact is that we do. Uh, Pastor, about 15, 20 seconds. Well, that's right. And Paul uses as his proof for this... Uh, the order of creation and the order of the fall. I mean, that's not an individual sort of non-universal event. That's a uh, that's a pretty that's bringing in some pretty big guns to back up your opinion. Uh, who's gonna who's gonna argue against uh, Paul when he when he bases his argument on that? Right. Okay. So we can from this conclude that the, that we must be faithful to the scriptures, and the scriptures are clear when they say that women should not teach uh, publicly in the church, and they should not be pastors. That that the Lord has only given men the pastoral office. After this, we're going to be playing some Bible Bee with Pastor Brian Ketchelmeyer of Redeemer Lutheran Church in Los Alamos, New Bring Mexico. Bring it on. We'll see how Bring it, it goes. <laughs> we'll be right back. Don't go away.
The Theological Game Show, too outrageous for television. You're listening to Table Talk Radio. I like big bubbles and I cannot lie. You Christian brothers can't deny that when a girl walks in with a KJV and a bookmark in Proverbs, you get stoked. Got a name engraved so you know this girl is saved. It looks like one of those large ones with plenty of space in the margins. Oh, baby, I want to read with you because your Bible's got pictures. My minister tried to console me, but that book you got makes me so holy. Ooh, mama, me. Hey, it's your favorite song, Pastor Wolf Miller. Is it? Is it? <laughs> Embarrassed just hearing that song. Oh, whatever. Even more when I the fact that I know it. <laughs> you could have sung along. You know, if we ever play a uh, Bible B rap music game, y- you'll be the champion for sure. <laughs> Love that Christian rap. All right, can't well, get enough of it. <laughs> we are playing Bible B, and on the line we have uh, Pastor Brian Ketchelmeyer of Redeemer Lutheran Church in Los Alamos, New Mexico. Welcome uh, to Table well, Talk Radio. Thank you. Good to be here. All right, my so, Bible B arch nemesis. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> well, for I'm the, ready to tear you up this time. All right, I will. All right, the way Bible B works is we have three rounds: round one, three verses; round two, one verse; round three, one word, and they are worth the correspondingly inverse amount of points. So round one is worth 100, round two is worth 200, round three is worth 300. Oh, I guess that's the same amount. And then uh, we do a little law gospel after we guess uh, where the verse comes from in the Bible. All right, that's it. Okay, so the first one, uh, we'll send it to our guest, Pastor Ketchelmeyer, first. Um, and the uh, So again, this is worth uh, 100 points, and it's three verses. Uh, Pastor Ketchelmeyer, are you ready? I think I am. Okay, here are your three verses. How blessed are those whose way is blameless, who walk in the law of the Lord. How blessed are those who observe his testimonies, who seek him with their whole heart. They also do no unrighteousness. They walk in his ways. Hmm. Any idea where that's from? Well, this uh, I would have to say that uh, this is the language of the Psalms. Uh, the language of Psalms, which are uh, commenting on the, the five books of Moses, and walking in the way of the Torah, uh, those are the ones who listen to the voice of God as it is given to us in the written word. So I, I would say it's the Psalms. It is in the Psalms. Uh, do you do bonus points, Pastor Wolfmuller, for, for guessing the chapter and all that? Uh, sure. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, Pastor Ketchum, do you want to get bonus points for the uh, the, the chapter of Psalms? I, I, I honestly, I, I cannot uh, tell you which psalm it is. I can't uh, come to the top of my mind here which psalm. Oh, well, uh, Pastor Wolf, get, Do I get bonus <laughs> no, points no for steals, the chapter? No steals. No steals. No steals. <laughs> 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 All right, there's three. Remember, there's three psalms in the Bible that deal with the Torah, like this Psalm one and Psalm nineteen, and then Psalm one nineteen, uh, which would have been my guess, but it's not my turn to guess. <laughs> <laughs> it is Psalm one nineteen. Oh, very good. Okay, so Pastor Ketchumau, could this be law and or gospel? Well, you'd have to to repeat that full thing. The one thing that we must understand is the Torah is really the instruction which is the written word of Moses, and to walk in the way of the Torah is really is to hold the word of God sacred and to listen to the voice of God. Um, so, uh, again, I'd have to hear it again, but uh, what my memory is of what you had read 
is the Torah as instruction would have both law and gospel in it. So well, I'd be happy to read it again. The Torah is to listen to God's voice. Yeah, I'd be happy to read it again. You can uh, see if you uh, confirm that. How blessed are those whose way is blameless, who walk in the law of the Lord. How blessed are those who observe his testimonies, who seek him with, uh, with all their heart. They do no unrighteousness. They walk in his ways. Yeah, yeah. Well, once you start having this language of they do no unrighteousness, uh, of course, this is this language of the law, which is going to expose where there is unrighteousness. Uh, the language of seeking the Lord, though, is the language of gospel, because the Lord is to be sought where he promises to be found, which is in his word. Um, so th- this one would actually have to have both law and gospel. Again, as you point to the Torah, the instruction of Moses, to seek the Lord is to uh, to turn to Him in His Word. Um, this is a very interesting passage here. All right, uh, Pastor Wolfman, are you ready for your first entry? Yes. Are you going to give uh, Pastor Ketchmar points oh, for yeah, the whole gospel he there? Gets, oh yeah. Okay. So, a hundred points for reading it right, and then another two hundred points for getting the law and our gospel. Bring him to right, a current. Right. You score love that because. Because when I miss this next one, and then I'm going to do law gospel, and then you're going to say, I don't get any points because I didn't get the first part right. <laughs> what are you, a prophet now? <laughs> I've, I've been around this game before. I know how this thing works. Here, here All is, right, here give me some you... obscure quote from Micah. I'm ready. <laughs> well, you got it already. No, I'm just kidding. Okay. <laughs> here, here it is. Woe to him who builds a city with bloodshed and founds a town with violence. It is not indeed from the Lord of hosts that people toil for fire and nations grow weary for nothing. For the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. That's three verses? Yep. <laughs> Those are short verses. Okay, woe to him who builds a, build, who builds a city with bloodshed. Uh, this, I, I don't think that that Israel really ever built a city with bloodshed. I mean, there is the conquest at the beginning, but what happens after that is all the other nations come in and wallop Israel. Uh, and so, But all the prophets have these times where they're prophesying against Israel, saying, hey, you did this wrong and that wrong, etc., etc. But then they have these uh, kind of... Uh, they turn around and then they, they prophesy against the nations, woes to the nations. There's a big section of woes to the nations in, in Isaiah, in Ezekiel, even in Jeremiah, Amos, etc. Uh, the whole the idea of the whole world being filled with the glory of the Lord, that kind of plays off of the preaching of Isaiah in Isaiah chapter 6. But I think this is going to be kind of a sermon on Isaiah from one of the latter prophets. Uh or maybe even one of Isaiah's contemporaries. But I'm going to, uh, uh, with the apocalyptic language of the whole world and everything like this, and the woe against the nations, I'm going to say this is from the prophet Amos. Oh, I'm so sorry. That is incorrect. <laughs> zero points for round one for Pastor oh. Wolf Miller. Let me just write the big zero, big goose egg right there. Okay. Um, no, this is actually from Habakkuk. Habakkuk. <laughs> All right, do you want to give us law and or gospel? <laughs> the whole world being full of the glory of the Lord is is uh, is gospel. I think this is a prophecy of the church where Jesus now, through the sending of the Spirit at Pentecost, 
uh, sends out the gospel to all of the lands. And, and so there are people now in every country ready to receive the Lord when he comes in glory uh, to, to bring us to life everlasting. So while there's law in there, certainly, woe to you if you build the city by blood, etc., uh, that's the law, but then it, it ends with the promise of the gospel, uh, the Lord's mercy going forth to all lands. Hey, you use your own buzzword. Oh, I thought it was the one you gave me. <laughs> you, you, you said Pentecost thinking it was your buzzword, but it was the one you gave me. Yeah. <laughs> oh, goodness. So no points for using your own buzzword. And I'm sorry you don't get points for law gospel if you get the entry wrong. Oh, yeah. Amazing now that works. <laughs> Okay, uh, so zero to three hundred is the current score, and uh, I That's guess all right. <laughs> I'm ready for the next round. Come on! All right, I guess it's then round time. Habakkuk, for round what? Two. Where was it in Habakkuk? By, uh, oh, by the way, I just Habakkuk, turned the what? page. You are in trouble. That's all right. We'll look it up in the break. <laughs> oh, 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 I think I got it here. This is great radio when you have dead air when you're looking at passages in the Bible. We are professionals. <laughs> and you can tell. Half our orthodoxy it. tied behind our back, <laughs> just to make it fair. It's Habakkuk 2, 12 through 14. Okay. All right. <laughs> and now I'm turning to the next passage for round two. Uh, you would think that it would have, like, bookmarks or these fancy things. You that would they think have. so, yeah. But nope, think so. Not, not in this case. All right. All uh, right. <laughs> Are you ready, Pastor Ketchumoff, for round two? I am ready. All right. Your round two, which is one verse, is this. For me to live is Christ, and to die is gain. (laughs) All right. Uh, For me to live is Christ. Now, this is is what St. Paul said. And so Paul... In the New Testament, he will talk about being in Christ. Uh, He will talk about the significance of being sent out by Christ to proclaim Christ, to suffer for Christ. Uh, So even though he suffers in the body, he still lives because he's in Christ. Uh, For for me, to live is to be in Christ. Uh, This is is a wonderful thing. But now, as I'm stalling and trying to (laughs) recall which which letter St. Paul wrote this in, um, I'm trying to think, because off the top of my head, I don't recall which one it well, is. Tell you what, Pastor. Colossians or Philippians. I'll let you think on that, because we have a commercial break coming right up. So you think on uh, what <laughs> book that could be from over the break, and then we'll come right back and continue this game of uh, Bible Bee. We are playing Bible Bee with Pastor Brian Ketchelmeyer of Redeemer Lutheran Church, Los Alamos, New Mexico. This current score is 300. Uh, to Pastor Ketchemeyer and Pastor Wolfmuller with zero. But it's okay. You can, get on, you can get on the board in the future here. We'll be right back. More Table Talk Radio after this. I want to turn the whole thing upside down. I'll find the things they say just can't be found. I'll share this love I find with everyone. We'll sing and dance to Mother Nature's song. I don't want this feeling to go away. Table Talk Radio. Unscripted, unprepared, unashamed. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, Joshua, Judges, Ruth. First and second Samuel, first and second Kings, first and second Chronicles. 
just a brief reminder yeah, of some of the books of the Bible. Fair. Yeah, telling them what the options are. For <laughs> Is there a requirement that you must know the books of the Bible before you play Bible Beat? <laughs> it might be helpful. Welcome back to Table Talk Radio. Uh, we are in the middle of playing Bible Bee with Pastor Brian Ketchelmeyer of Redeemer Lutheran Church in Los Alamos, New Mexico. And uh, he has this verse before him, For me to live is Christ and to die is gain. And uh, before the break, he said he was thinking about a couple of them. Uh, Pastor Ketchelmeyer, have you decided on which one you're going to go with? Well, I, I haven't, but it, it, it's either going to be the letter to the Colossians or the letter to the Philippians. And I'm going to say that because in the letter to the Colossians it begins with Paul talking about the uh, the divinity of Christ. Uh, in Philippians he talks more about the humiliation of Christ, and I think that it's going to be Philippians because Paul's going to follow in that boat. It's a Philippians. <laughs> Whoa, oh, That's man. true. Good job. What All right. a monster deduction there. That's like a... Uh, half-court shot. <laughs> Unbelievable. Well, round two is worth 200 points. That brings your score to 500. But now it's time for the law gospel question. With this verse, for me to live as Christ and die as gain, be law and or gospel? Well, see, th- this is a wonderful passage. For me to live is Christ, because it- it's Christ who gives us his righteousness. It's Christ who uh, dies for us. It's Christ who does all these things for us. And then he gives us his life in which we serve. Uh, this is, a, I would say this is a gospel text, a wonderful gospel text, that it's Christ living and uh, his righteousness that, uh, that we, we cling to. All right, that is right. So that's another 200 points to 700 points for Pastor Ketchermeyer. Uh, Pastor Wolfman, how many points do you have? <laughs> uh, I'm about to have a 400 after this round, so give it to me. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I'm uh, ready. Okay, here it is. The king's heart is like channels of water in the hand of the Lord. He turns it wherever he wishes. Oh, man. The king's heart is like channels of water in the hands of the Lord? Mm-hmm. Too bad I had that as my memory verse yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> okay, talking. there's a few places where it talks about kings. Uh, Deuteronomy, there's some laws for the kings. Namely, the king has to have a copy of the Bible and read it. Um, uh, then you have, of course, the stories of the kings in books like Kings. But you especially have this um, this uh, instructions on being a king. We, so, uh, like the book of Proverbs, for example. Uh, so, so in the book of Proverbs, Solomon is writing instructions for really he has the children of all these different kingdoms coming to learn from him. So, uh, so, so, so Proverbs is uh, it would be, I think, the the first place that I would want to guess. But it might be a little too obvious. You might be trying to trick me. Uh, This could be a a prophetic instruction where the king would kind of rise up in his arrogance and the... The prophet would say, no, no, look, the Lord's in control here. He, he controls the, king, the king's heart. He's in charge. So maybe a prophet like Daniel or even one of the latter prophets like Ezekiel might talk like that. But I think because of the style, I'm going to say Proverbs. Oh, that is correct. <laughs> your, dis- your disappointment, I can sense it. I'm not disappointed. I'm cheering for you. And between oh, the yeah, yeah. <laughs> between the two contestants, you're the one I'm going for. <laughs> oh, I get that. <laughs> All right, 200 points for that uh, law and/or gospel. Uh, give it to me one more time, real quick, and I'll before we do law gospel. Okay. The king's heart is like channels of water in the hand of the Lord. He turns it wherever he wishes. 
Yeah, this is maybe a little bit of law and gospel. It's just it's instruction. It's talking about, it says, look, if you exalt yourself in pride, you are wrong. Um, if you think, I'm going to go this way and I'm going to go that way, the Lord will say no. In fact, the Lord seems to take a special delight in, in thwarting the plans of man. And yet, on the other side, on the other hand, when we come humbly before the Lord, and like the beginning of Proverbs says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding and all your ways acknowledge him and he'll, he'll direct your paths, that, that comes to us as marvelous comfort because the Lord is saying this way and that way is the way for you and, and, my, and, and your life and your death are in my hands. So uh, I think this text comes to us with both, uh, with both law and gospel. Um, okay, I guess I have to give a point for that one, too. 200. <laughs> I'm only down by 300 this last round. I'm going to take it. Ooh, I'm sneaking up behind. Can you hear the footsteps? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, for the last round, um, I actually have two words, but you have to think of the, the, the verse of the book of the Bible, which would contain both of these words in the same, same verse. Okay, so this is, this is not easy. Um, but, uh, Pastor Ketchemeyer, are you ready for round three? All right, I am ready. Okay, so you're looking for uh, two words that these these words are used probably all over the Bible, but you're looking for where it's used in the same verse and what book of the Bible that is. And your two words, okay. your two words are this: Jesus wept. Jesus wept. <laughs> Yeah, that has got to be uh, the the shortest verse in the Bible, or at least one of them, for sure. But Jesus wept. There's an interesting place in the Gospels where Jesus wept, and this is actually at the death of Lazarus. Uh, Lazarus uh, dies, and the, and the sisters, Mary and Martha, are concerned that Jesus wasn't there, because if only he was there, Lazarus would still live. And Jesus has his compassion for these sisters. And he weeps and he mourns with them over the death because this is not the way creation was supposed to be. And uh, where this is recorded is in John's Gospel. That is correct. The Gospel according to St. John. So 300 points. Uh, and now you have the task of identifying law and or Gospel. Well, one of the ways that we make a distinction between law and Gospel is what the individual is required or forbidden to do versus what Jesus has done. Uh, this is a wonderful passage. It's talking about Jesus and what he has done, and it shows forth his compassion upon us, uh, declaring not only who he is but what he does for us, and then he raises Lazarus after he has this, uh, this moment here of weeping. So I'd say this is gospel. This is wonderful news that Jesus, he can share in our humanity, and he knows our weakness and our suffering and our pain. Correct. So that's another 200. Woo! Twelve hundred <laughs> points out of reach. Oh. Well, you just I want gotta to do something miraculous on this last. You just want to end the show here. <laughs> you want to call it quits? <laughs> no, no. I'll figure out a way to get some. Po- oh, I got my buzzword. <laughs> I'm gonna use my buzzword. All right, your round three, Pastor. Uh, again, has these uh, two words, and you have to find out where these two words are used together in the same verse, and what book of the Bible is that in? Uh, All right. And All right. <laughs> your two words. Um, and I'll, I'll actually give you a, a bonus clue here. Two words Good. is Jerusalem and splendor. And the, I'll, the extra clue is that these two words are actually used next to each other. So Jerusalem and splendor. Uh, you mean, so it's a splendor Jeru- or Jerusalem splendor? Ooh, uh-oh, we're getting close. <laughs> <laughs> that doesn't make any sense. 
How could those two be news next to each other? Jerusalem and splendor. Um. It, it, well, it may be possessive too. Jerusalem's splendor, splendor of Jerusalem. <laughs> ah, Jerusalem is all over the place in the Bible, of course. <laughs> but nowhere does it have Jerusalem splendor together, except, except for this, for this one spot. verse. All right. Well, so King David moves. Uh, he moves the Ark of the Covenant first to Jerusalem, and and he puts it there on the on the. Um, on the top of the hill, and the angel of the Lord is coming because of this census plague, and he stops over the ark that's on the hill, and that's where they eventually, Solomon builds the temple there. Uh, and so it's in it's in the reign of David that Jerusalem really comes into prominence as the place of the uh, of the Lord's dwelling. It's it's wiped out by the Babylonians in 586, 587. And so there's all this talk about the rebuilding of Jerusalem, which it is rebuilt. Nehemiah and Ezra uh, bring back the, um, the the worship, the people, and the worship of God there. Uh, and uh, and that's, of course, where the temple is in the days of Jesus um, until it's destroyed on August 10th, A.D. 70. Uh, but, of course, even later, like in the book of Revelation, it talks about Jerusalem coming down out of heaven like a bride adorned for her husband. Uh, and that's what I'm thinking about these last sections of uh, of Revelation. Although I, I, you might have picked a minor prophet just because it cuts down my odds of getting it right. But why? That's my first inclination is to say Revelation, like Revelation 19 or Revelation 21, right around there. But I'll say the Book of Revelation. Well, that's that's a really good guess, but it's wrong. Um, <laughs> we're looking for Isaiah. This is Isaiah 5, verse 14. Therefore, Sheol has enlarged its throat and opened its mouth without measure, and Jerusalem's splendor, her multitude, her din of rivalry, and the jubilant within her descended into it. Whoa. So Isaiah law, was what you were looking way. for. That's <laughs> uh, well, and I, you so, have so arranged it that it's impossible for me to, I mean, even if I get my buzzword, which I can't, uh, <laughs> I can't think of any way to connect the Antichrist to that verse. Uh, uh, alas, well, walloped again. Not a bad round of, of Bible B. So we want to thank our special contestant, Pastor Brian Ketchelmeyer, for being on the program. Thank you for playing uh, Bible B with us again. Oh, you are welcome. It was a blast. Yeah, thanks a lot, Brad. <laughs> <laughs> Pastor's still in a, a another, bad mood about another it Another walloping from Pastor Ketchelmeyer. <laughs> who remains now my Bible be arch nemesis. That's right. Well, we want to hear from you about this show. Give us a call at 866-851-5523, or you can send us an email, questions at tabletalkradio.org. Uh, also, on our website, we have all of our podcasts and past shows. You can go there to tabletalkradio.org, as well as some articles. Uh, Pastor, you haven't been writing, writing any articles on our website lately. Yeah, I'll have to get to it. I've been... <laughs> lazy you know <laughs> yeah i noticed I, you did post one article up there oh the actually i want to talk about that I, I we mentioned it once before but i we did this uh, chart of all of the songs that we've ever praised crunch and you can look it up and see how it came out of the cruncher and then what show we talked about you can listen to it so nice. check that out on our website tabletalkradio.org um thank you all for listening to this edition of table talk radio where the points are like a dispensationalist call to return to historic orthodoxy <laughs> You've been listening to Table Talk Radio. Oh. 
The views expressed on this show are that of the host and do not reflect the views or opinions of this station. We would like to answer Isaiah your questions five. concerning theology, the scriptures, or anything Jerusalem else. Send your questions to question at tabletalkradio.org or leave us a voicemail message, 866-851-5523. Be sure to check out our website, tabletalkradio.org. Thanks for listening, and tune in again next time to Table Talk Radio.